0: This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics in Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Thanks for listening to The World We Deserve, the officially unofficial podcast for HBO's True Detective Anthology, brought to you by Bald Move. This conversation covers season two, episode five, titled "Other Lives."
2: The war was lost. The treaty signed. I was not caught. I crossed the line. I was not caught. Though many tried. I live among you, well disguised.
0: I had to leave. So I did some reading around. On the internet after this episode came out. And I I just wasn't really feeling this episode. Kind of the same, I don't know, blasé feeling I had toward the rest of the season so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I go reading around and I I look at the subreddit and stuff. And it's seems to be a generally positive attitude toward this season as it stacks up to season one. And I don't understand that. I can't get my head around why people are so jonesed
1: about this season when you compare it. Well, I mean, if you're comparing it to everything else on television,
0: fine, that's one thing. But I want to compare it to season one because and, and it's also the it's same like show
1: you've been to the Walking Dead subreddit, right? I have. like you know we we are <laughs> fans of that show, but mm-hmm. we have a lot of problems. If you and that I think are self evident. Uh, if you look at the subreddit, they are complete denial about the problems with The Walking Dead, and everything is just yeah. the most awesome. And you know, why aren't these people getting nominated for Emmys? And, and <laughs> you know, it's like you, I, when you crawl up the ass of something so much, you become personally invested, and it's like politics. You know, like mm. why are Republicans and Democrats incapable? Of acknowledging problems within their own party, because to them it's all zero sum game. If I, sure. you know, I'm give, I don't want to face the fact that this isn't perfect or it's going to lessen my enjoyment. Or, yeah. you know, same thing with sports fans. Like, you know, everybody else is a bunch of cheaters and they're a bunch of sulkers and they're a bunch of, you know, they don't have any class. But my team is the epitome of class. And <laughs> then you have problems when like the fan bases start intermingling and it's yeah, like yeah. Pff, the vacuum is shattered. But there's some of that. On the subreddit, I guess
0: a lot of people have dissenting opinions, but the, the prevailing attitude seems to be this is a work of genius again. And I don't see it, frankly. I think there's objectively things that are not as good as season one. Like you can say the direction for one. Like I, I think maybe the basic structure of it, having m- many more characters who are essentially identically uh, themed, I guess. Like with Marty and Rust, it always felt like there was a give and take there. Like, Rust was spouting some kind of philosophical stuff, and Marty would look at him with googly eyes and say, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Yeah. There is nobody in this season to do that to Frank, to do that to Chesani, to do that to anybody, really.
1: Yeah, and that, like, I think Ray could be that guy, but for whatever reason, Ray is intimidated or out of a misguided sense of loyalty, will not check Frank when he's going on one of his Frank rampages, and... Okay. You know, yeah. like the the blue, <laughs> the, blue <laughs> the blue balls, balls of oh, the heart. God. Uh mm-hmm. somebody I, I need a Woody Harrelson to like parachute in and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's something you say ironically, sarcastically. Like yeah. A one-off thing in a
0: bar to make everybody go, <laughs> that was really dumb, dude. Right. Can't believe you said that, but yeah, it makes
1: sense. No, I I I agree that structurally, because none of these characters are equals. Um, even within the police department, there are ones that are morally... comp. I guess everybody's got to morally compromise now, so now they're finally equals, and they're they're working together as, as a Scooby-Doo task force. But, I mean, I'm really invested in the core mystery. I want to see how this is solved, and there are yeah. some aspects, like I do like Frank and Jordan's relationship, and I'm finding that very compelling. I actually like Ray... In his performance and character, but the thing I'm supposed to be rooting for, I'm not sure I'm on board with, which is him retaining custody of his son. Like, I don't Uh have a dog in that fight because I don't know what his son thinks about that. I see a lot of signs of Ray being kind of a negative influence on his son. Um, So maybe I'm supposed to be outraged. Like, on principle, I'd be outraged that a man being stripped of his parental rights... But supervised visits pending an investigation into whether you are a drug addict or whether you and a have killed men and, with yep. your bare hands and whether uh-huh. you have beat the shit out of dudes for almost no provocation seems entirely sensible <laughs> to me. It does. And I wonder if, you know, the
0: the overarching plot for Ray is not whether or not he'll get his kid back, but whether he can start over again.
1: Yeah. Like I, that might be the more interesting I, angle. I, like his his. Yeah. Can he redeem his life and be on a trajectory? It's kind of like yeah. a Don Draper. Uh-huh. do we need to see him with his kids and happy or do we need to see him on a trajectory where you can kind of squint and see all right there's a man who can be a healthy whole individual 10 years from now and what might his relationship with his maybe legitimate maybe not son i yeah i i that that's might might be interesting but like paul i can't find a <laughs> surface to get any kind of purchase to care for him as a character because it's just such a mess and Annie's kind yeah. of the same way. Like, um, I wonder if, like, women really like Annie in the way that, like, you know, we talked about last season that, like, I know a lot of women just didn't give a shit about Rust Cole because they had no <laughs> way to relate to him as a character.
0: I feel like the reason you're not getting purchased is because this is a Teflon show. Mm. There, there is nothing to grip onto. It's just flat, man. Yeah. Like, I, I haven't felt any kind of waves, any ripples from this show uh emotionally it's just been blah and i mean a lot of people have written about that but i i don't know you mentioned like the conspiracy and this this kind of overarching plot and i think it's interesting to compare that to season one because in season one it always felt to me like this conspiracy was kind of buried beneath the surface in a way that in season two it's not where you always kind of felt like Rust was reaching maybe a little too far, like mainlining the truths of the universe a little too much. Yeah. And you had Marty there saying the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Just not getting where Rust was going. But in this, it's very clear there is a conspiracy. The cops know there's a conspiracy. The criminals know it. And we know it as an Mm. audience. So I think it's like, it's totally different there. And I I kind of, I'm not sure which one I like more. I think they're both effective from the conspiracy angle. Well, I will say the rest of the show is just flat for me, man. I've
1: said this like two, three times a season. Like, okay, when Ray was murdered at the end of episode two, that's mind-blowing. But man, if this thing actually doesn't pay off in some interesting way, I'm going to be retroactively pissed. The shootout last episode, that was really (laughs) exciting and pulse pounding Uh but it better mean something more than just hey it's uh midpoint of the season we got to have a big action sequence because that's what we do here in true detective or it's going to retroactively seem like it's a hollow endeavor and now i'm in episode five and i feel like a lot of the conspiracy we've already figured out collectively we on the internet we pretty early on uh, too very early on which is kind of what happened in season one of true detective as well so that's less interesting. There's some big questions about, well, okay, how does the Raven connect back into all this you know, sprawl that we've uncovered? Mm-hmm. But you know, this episode blows up the dynamic between all the detectives and then uh-huh. reassembles it in the exact same episode, <laughs> which makes me think that maybe the shootout was just for – you know, exploitation purposes and it wasn't really relative to the plot or any kind of, you know, definitive change to the characters. I mean, Annie's stopped smoking robot dicks and she's back to the (laughs) cancer sticks Uh and she's drinking more, but they also made the show that she was really heavily drinking the gambling problem before, you know, there was a, there was a real change in rust also sees, you know, episode one through three, he was this, you know, spouting, you know, this, this existential angst, cosmic mm-hmm. horror stuff but then in episode four he kind of came alive and you can see he's in his element yeah yeah i i think you can kind of see that with paul they're trying to tell us oh yeah so. paul was a soldier out there paul mm-hmm. needs to be a-. but in be his back performance on his i'm not getting it because his personal patterns are still stuck in there hasn't been any real real change there so hmm. you know i've always said since episode two like if we get in episode seven and eight and You know, there's not a really compelling reason for why Ray's still alive. And the shootout seems like it was just a, you know, a a misdirection and a chance to, Blow up the team chemistry that they didn't actually blow up. There's actually no real repercussions. In fact, it's kind of awesome because now you guys are all off the radar, Uh except Ray's going to beat the shit out of one of the central conspirators. That's not off the radar. Yeah, I I don't know what the purpose
0: of that was either, other than to just have a big flashy show at the end of episode four, like they did in season one. So
1: the stakes are the same. Like you know, I'm I'm still content to wait and see, and you know, I I stuck with the bridge to the bitter end. So like that was a much lesser show. (laughs) I'm not feeling like I'm being cheated. But I will say that I can see episode seven, eight on this podcast being a real shit show if we don't get some satisfying answers. If there isn't like some real aha moments in the next episode, the next two episodes, this could get pretty brutal pretty fast.
0: Yeah, because I think ultimately, even if we don't have much, you know, investment in the
1: characters
0: or reason to talk about them there, you're going to see in this podcast that there's a lot to talk about in the plot. Sure. Sure. Right, I mean, most of that stuff is going to come in psychosphere because that's the fun part. Yeah. Um. But I, the other thing that you mentioned, you know, the the lines like robot dicks and blue balls and all this stuff. Have Have you been chuckling through this season like you were in season one? Because I know you found the interactions between Rust and Marty particularly hilarious.
1: I did, but I in think a way that
0: I didn't quite. But it's missing in this season, right?
1: You've got no one to bounce off of. It'd be like, you know, I. I I like a lot of people say Star Wars worked because you had Han Solo basically like bullshit the whole time. Like, (laughs) you know, Obi-Wan of his Uh Ubi-Doo nonsense wouldn't work without the, you know, hard bitten Han Solo there. Be You know, they call bullshit on everything. And there's no one here. I mean, Jordan kind of serves that role for Frank a little bit, but she's not around enough to like she's the only one that can kind of bring him to heel. But when he's kind of at his scenery chewing worst, she's nowhere to he's got his lackeys. And yeah. other criminal types that are rolling tough too, and there's you know again there's no there's no power equality in any of these relationships to allow that relationship where you have one person that's kind of out there and intentionally so, and someone being like the grounding like the audience like now wait a damn minute mm-hmm. you know there's no there's nobody there and I think that hurts it I think I mean honestly I think uh, the show just isn't as visually and compensationally interesting. Yeah,
0: that's interesting. In regards to the dialogue, and I don't want to talk too much about this because I'm kind of getting over the the idea that this dialogue is annoying me, but there was a comment on Reddit that I saw um, where they were talking about the dialogue, and they were saying maybe they were kind of pointing out reasons why they think it's the direction that's causing the dialogue not to work like it did in season one. Um and and I would chalk it up also to the acting. I don't I don't think these actors are particularly hitting their lines the way they need to, but that's ultimately on the director too, right? Kind
1: of sort of. I mean, cuz I I reject I reject cuz I think there's this big you know the, the reconnaissance, you know, like everybody's saying, "Oh, look how <laughs> awesome Matthew McConaughey cuz he was in Dallas Buyers Club and True Detective." And a mm-hmm. bunch of Lincoln ads, but I don't think anyone put him on the top tier of Hollywood A-list talent until he had that, the reconnaissance, right? Yeah, he. but he proved himself. And I don't I mean, think, like, I think Colin Farrell is a very strong actor, yeah. and I think Rachel McAdams, I've seen her in so many different things, comedies, dramas, shit that I don't even care about, chick flicks, and just kill it, that this material is not beyond yeah. her. No, no, no. I think
0: I think it comes down to direction. I honestly agree with this guy. He says basically things like that half anaconda, half great white line. If you imagine that line being delivered by Rust Cole as he's chopping up these beer cans, and he's like, uh, these cops are like, what do you think of this guy? And Russ is like, hey, I think he's half anaconda. He's chopping up beer cans. Right. There's a low shot on him. Yeah. Kind of pulls up a little bit, and then he's like, looks at them dead in the eye, half great white. Mm-hmm. Like, you can see that being compelling, but just showing this guy straight from the front and having him deliver a line in a, just this monotone
1: does well, also, work. So, yeah, I listened to all the, the, the two or three True Detective commentaries that are on the, the Blu-ray for season one, and I've watched a bunch of mm-hmm. Nick Pizzolatto's interviews at this point, and I've seen a lot of him talk in print, and I feel like a lot of the dialogue is essentially how Nick talks – like, yeah. he does talk in, like, $50, like, he's got, that he's makes read so much, and he's studied so much literature, and he's absorbed all this, and he likes to put it out there. Some actors fit, are, are able to kind of inhabit that and believably talk like him as well, yeah. and some people don't pull it off. And I think it's not funny, because I feel like, you know, Vince Vaughn's batting average is about 500 on this show. Uh-huh. Like, like when he's sitting and just, like brooding over his business and like looking out yeah. over his poker room and looking out at his bar and like, he's super intense. And sometimes even I've enjoyed when he has shaken down people and, and he, when he's like, you know, physically menacing, he works better mm-hmm. than I would have expected. And when he's given a soliloquy about uh his really shitty childhood, that stuff all connects. Uh-huh. Um But a lot of times, you know, like I said, blue balls of the heart, it just <laughs> doesn't quite, doesn't, doesn't quite work. And, it is delivering some excellent memes, though, I got to say. I remember in the bonus materials that Woody and Matthew both were saying, you know, like, Corey this, Corey that. He's really, you know, he's there with us, and he's tra- he's helping us with this material, and he's got the single hmm. vision. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, I don't have any proof of this, but I think that's one of the things that, that kind of rankled Nick Pizolato and probably led to the rift. There, Those created differences. Like, oh, he's getting credit from my lines? What's... But, you know, there again, we talked about this the George Lucas thing. Like, maybe you need a couple people pushing back creatively to make to to, to make sure that you because Nick's a really young guy, too, relatively speaking. Yeah. So, you know, maybe you need some of those things to curb your excesses. Maybe so. I, but I, I still like I
0: I, I. I wouldn't point to anything and say that this is a bad show, though, right? Like, no, it's hard to argue that it's just. I don't think it's very hard to argue that it's not as good as season one and it either hits you or it doesn't. Well, that's the thing, because right? a lot you of either people, like it or you don't. And I treated the season one was kind
1: of a. <laughs> a a certain taste, too. Oh, it's yeah. Like IPA, you know, yeah. not everybody. If you, you, you can you can like beer. Uh, but I mean, that's a perfect example. Like anybody who tries beer
0: at the start doesn't like it. I don't think.
1: I would think so. Like if you've been you, drinking cool Light taste, and you, you step up to an, an, an IPA and you're like, Jesus, this is, whoo, you know, it's too bitter. But I mean, alcohol, period. That's true. Uh, kids don't like alcohol. You give them alcohol, they spit it out. So I'm open, like, <laughs> I'm open. Like the Season one was like really tuned to my wavelength. and I'm open to p- other people saying, I don't get it. I don't like that. I mean, that was not an unpopular opinion back in the day. Yeah. So it could be that these characters are not grabbing me in the same way, but they might grab other types of people. Sure. Um, yeah, if in, in you're deeply ways. into that sort of neo-noir,
0: uh, just dark, stylistic stuff, I think
1: this is right up your alley. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I'm I not a fan of southern gothic horror. Sure. I was a yeah. fan of, of Rust Cole. Mm-hmm. And not even, I didn't even really like Marty. I mean, I thought he was a piece of shit for most of the run. Sure. Uh, if anything, he was probably the character who got redeemed in the series more than Rust. But I liked Rust a lot.
0: Yeah, I guess this is just not what I watch TV for. I watch TV for a little bit of this, but it has to be spiced with entertainment. And I don't feel like this show has much entertainment value.
1: No, the show—I the, will say—the show's not interested in holding your hand. It's not interested in yeah. necessarily entertaining you moment through moment. No, not at all. It's hoping that the package will be more
0: than the sum of its parts, right?
1: I'm—I'm I'm all on that. You can't judge a novel by the first few chapters. But now that we're over at a halfway point. I need to see something in the next episode or two or I mean like if 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 the high watermark was the gun shoot the the shootout of last season or last episode, then I'm comfortable saying that this is not even nearly as creative as successful as the first season.
0: Two months after the shootout, the case has been closed and everyone has moved on to other things. Paul is still planning to marry his pregnant girlfriend. He plans to use the $20,000 that he brought home from Afghanistan to provide for his new family, but his mother has already spent the money. Annie is attending counseling sessions after she is accused of sexual harassment. Ray is working for Frank as a security consultant while trying to retain custody of his son. He finds out that Frank lied to him about the identity of his wife's rapist, and that he killed the wrong man. Frank tries to blackmail his way back into the land deal. It works. He's promised his share if he can find the missing hard drive from Casper's bungalow, and so he sends Ray to do just that. Now the detectives are being brought back together to covertly reopen the investigation. They find out that Dixon was looking for the diamonds even before they knew about them, and also the location of a cabin where the sex parties are held. Annie and Paul investigate the place and find a torture shack hidden deep in the woods. Why don't we talk about some of the characters? Okay, there's uh some meat to chew on here. Um, I want to start with one of the more minor characters who kind of works into the plot here in an interesting way. Dixon, the flatulent the scum of, of,
1: <laughs> of bourbon and farts. Uh-huh. Uh
0: huh. Apparently working either for Casper or Chisani. I'm going to go on a limb and say Chisani, probably.
1: Uh, do you, uh, Do you like the way the show uses Chisani to talk about the mayor and the mayor's two sons? Cause I find that as a viewer, that's confusing in a good kind of way. Cause you're always trying to like, okay, are we talking about the old guy? We're we talking about his hmm. young punk son. Are we talking I about like context the, usually tells you it does, but it's like something you have to actually pay attention to. And also oh, there's, yeah. there's a second, I think there's a second mayor's son there. No, I know the for a fact there's a second mayor's son, the one that actually got his face all coped up and had the accident. And he said, I was going to uh-huh. ship him off to Oakland, to run some kind of club and let him be his prince in his own town? We haven't actually met that guy yet. And he's supposed yes. to be the real piece of work. Hmm. So. Is he going to be like the green eared spaghetti monster? I spaghetti don't know. man? Of, I don't know. Of There's the also season? that fifth guy in the black and white photo of the, yep. the hippie com- commune. Who that, we
0: think is too old to be any part of this at this
1: point. I saw right? some speculation that he might actually be Mayor Chassani's father. Yeah. The progenitor of this whole patriarchy that does the weird shit. Could be. But it's interesting from a plot perspective, we know now that uh,
0: Dixon, before they knew anything about the diamonds, was already looking into them, which tells us that he's on the payroll of someone else, um, of probably Chisani here. Uh, and he's also what, the what one think, that what misdirected
1: that, them towards the cookhouse so they would get cut, cut the ribbons. Yeah,
0: and so the blue diamonds are interesting, right? Like, they're in Casper's lockbox. In his safety deposit box, mm-hmm. uh, Dixon was looking around at the behest, probably of Chisani. Ches- uh, what does that tell you about the relationship between Chisani and Casper? I mean, they, they had some somewhat of a
1: a problem with each other, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know. There's so many different things you can say about that. Number one, (laughs) uh, which Chassani we're talking about? Because we're talking about Tony Chassani. Him and Casper were, like, setting up this Machiavellian (laughs) empire of sex sex, extortion and blackmail. And also, it's like, so they had these sex parties with the booze flowing and the women flowing. And they're making backroom deals and Mm -hmm. making political connections. And when that didn't work, they also could fall back on the blackmail material. Yeah. So, like... Is this a situation where he's facing a coup from within? It's interesting. Kind of like, I mean, Mm. that would also echo season one where you had, uh, you know, or Errol having his dad chained up for some kind of abuse in his Carcosa shed Uh that he had clearly wrested control from his 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 maniacal father. And maybe Tony or the (laughs) other brother, the the powder face, is trying to wrest control and his father's trying to put that Hmm. down. But, so there's been a lot of speculation on Birdman
0: and who Birdman is. Bird <laughs> Birdman or Birdwoman? We haven't figured that out yet. Is there any chance that it is Shasani's son, Tony, the one that we've seen? I he has a similar like
1: maybe build. But to, why would to he Birdman? kill Casper and so stage Casper him in a way stolen... to blow this scandal wide open? What's the motivation? Okay, that's and then a good question. also explain but, why but Casper.
0: He... So the diamonds are connected here, right? Like we know that they're the mayor's diamonds. And that Casper had them at the time of his death. Is there any possibility that he's looking to get those diamonds back? And maybe Tony is the Birdman, and he was sent by his father.
1: I don't know, man. What's five million dollars to these guys? Like it's a lot to Frank, but it's enough to buy into a good chunk of that that
0: line, but, that rail but line.
1: These guys were engineering this whole deal. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I know you're not crazy, you're a big fan of this, but I think more and more it's clear that these diamonds are somehow connected to the land deal. Like the original plan was to take and essentially steal people's land by seeding with heavy. I mean, Mm -hmm. this was told to us in the plot, uh, that Frank used his waste disposal system or management system to seed these, these, these counties and these tracts of land with heavy material, heavy metals that would Mm -hmm. then trip the EPA and have them condemned that they would then be able to buy up for super cheap and remediate and then instantly flip for 10 times their value for this railroad thing what would derail that and and we also what know if Casper that Casper had those as
0: evidence that Chisani was the one who found the diamonds and was going to back out
1: of the deal but what why would they back out of the deal they were all gonna get the diamonds rich. the diamonds are worth more than no fuck no those diamonds so five million dollars is the buy-in price that then would be flipped into like 10 times that on the railroad deal those do you know how much those diamonds are worth those are those extremely diamonds are
0: rare diamonds um they're worth millions of dollars. Just okay. those ones you see right like, there.
1: But, but I did see analysis that they're worth as kind of this, like five to ten million dollars. But that's still mm-hmm. a drop in the bucket for what the overall railway port project is worth.
0: What if it's a drop in the bucket as to the diamonds? Like, what if he well, what has I'm,
1: the only way I could buy that is if there's actually a, it had diamonds in the soil and the people on top found out this and now suddenly Frank has bought and all these people have bought in too low and they were trying to muscle these people out. And when I say these people, Frank is one of those people. Is jasani one of those people or is Jasani, mayor jasani One of the ones is muscling them out. There's something interesting
0: about Dixon being after these diamonds. I agree. And with not that. for the police. No, I agree with that. And I'm trying, I'm just trying to draw connections here and see where that could line up because I feel like that's an overlooked part of the case. Like I don't see any real discussion about that on That's because yeah. Because
1: there's like it's kinda like the magic eight ball saying answer unclear. Same thing I think there's a lot of speculations dropped off about the Raven (laughs) this week because if you look at all the people the the Raven could be, like it could be the Scarface girl. It could like or I want to talk about it being uh you know the the or it could be multiple people. Like I think Mayor Chassani's daughter We'll talk about a little bit that more in the psychosphere is an interesting suspect. But yeah. you, you you lay out these bullet points. Is it Blake? Is it Tony? Is it the mayor's daughter? Is it the Scarface girl? Was it one, the girl that's missing? Is it some kind of league of, of some of those people? Mm-hmm. There's always a problem with either a motivation or a means. Seems you know, like, like yeah, like, we just don't have all the info yet. We right? don't. Yeah. And that's it wouldn't surprise thoughts. me if the Raven was like three people and like. Uh, just <laughs> like Casper was killed for this reason, and then like Stan was a cover up, uh, or a copycat okay. to kind of cover up and somehow manipulate Frank. Like, maybe, uh, the Scarface girl, for example, w- killed Casper to blow the, 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 the blow a whistle on all this sex trafficking and all this mm-hmm. dirty dealing going on. Then Blake, who's trying to move up on Frank, takes the opportunity to kill one of his lieutenants, pin it on the raven to like, you know. Hmm. And then the guy that showed up at the snuff house could have been a third raven. Like I thought I read yeah. a really compelling uh, theory that that's the lieutenant that's actually kind of, you know, Ray's old man talked about that lieutenant as if he's a really good policeman lieutenant who's the lieutenant the, the you know the guy that showed up after ray got killed he's the guy that showed up to evict ray this oh episode. that guy okay um that that his sure dad spoke of him in kind of terms of respect maybe he's actually doing his own investigation and he's looking out for ray mm-hmm. he doesn't want ray in there because he know ray is ray's frank's guy and he can't find a hard drive but he's still trying to protect him but there again there's problems with that theory there is no one smoking gun so it's hard yeah, you know yeah. there's a lot of people speculating Mm-hmm. But not a lot of really hardcore evidence that ties it all together that's actually airtight yet.
0: Yes, I, I agree with that. And I there are some theories out there that I really like and some that other people really like that I'm like, eh, that's a lot of speculation. Well, there's
1: you know, <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of like a theory that has a conclusion that's based on solid facts, but it's assumption. Uh-huh. And then they go and build – off of that, mm. with a much of more assumption like, foundation for that theory. to me yeah. the middle part is the interesting thing. then everything you build on top of that it's like, okay, that's just wild speculation <laughs> based on your already kind of wild speculation, so sure, when I'm putting together the psychosphere, I try to sift the you know what stuff is actually based on fact and what are people then you know because it's always the gold rush. who's going to solve this first so you can get all the internet points? yeah, you know, so <laughs> uh, what do you think about Paul? Do you have anything to say about Paul? Is
0: this this whole relationship with his mother and you know her giving up her career and all that for to raise him? Is that interesting? So is
1: Paul's Black Mountain thing essentially uh, Rust's high tra- high intensity drug trafficking career? Maybe where he's getting hazard pay. That I mean, sort of thing. That, that, it's just something that explains him being badass when they needed to be badass, and also. Sure gives him a little bit of pathos and edge. But then again, they, it's like I feel like he's a cake with too many layers. He's like, you know, you throw in the 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 gay thing and now he's gonna try to have this beard family and he's got this I mean his relationship with his mom is straight out of the Jillian Darmondy playbook from Boardwalk Empire. Oh yeah. And then you take that and you add the gay thing on top of it. Mm-hmm. No, I I'm having a hard time really relating with 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 Paul and I'm not sure how his military background it seems like Something I took as gospel truth, which is his scars were earned before his military background, is a lie. Because now he's screaming like at his it, yeah. mother, I bled for this money, uh-huh. and I he, we know he got it in Afghanistan because he yep. said as much. So, you know, like a lot of the stuff I was kind of basing, well, you know, what happened in his childhood and all that stuff that was interesting was because he lied to his girlfriend, which isn't okay. a character betrayal he lies to his girlfriend a ton <laughs> every single day i yeah. kind of feel like she suspects that he's lying to her and they're yeah, both going maybe. along with it but you know whatever mm-hmm. but that's kind of how i feel about his character you know whatever
0: <laughs> yeah and and he meets with uh her mother here um who we find out is a an illegal immigrant i guess came over in in some kind of boat where she was uh hidden for a few days seems like it yeah um and they're just, you know, he's sitting at the table, pretending like everything is good, and then just chugs this drink. No, it was his Jesse it, like,
1: Pinkman. Uh, these these green beans are choice, Mrs. White. <laughs> totally, as he's just drinking. The, this guy can't get enough in the, of this this liquid into me.
0: <laughs> no one notices though. So, well,
1: you it's know, okay. it's, he's drinking tea. No one saw that he spiked it with two he just airplane really loves tea. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. All right, I think the next least interesting character in this show is probably Annie. Uh Let's talk about her. Um, I actually kind of like this scene where she's in the, the sexual harassment counseling group or whatever this is. Um, I hated it at first. I went in and I was like, oh my God, is she really going to do a, this it's cliched. It's been said a thousand times and B it's not funny. Uh, This thing about the dicks and these guys are going to go, oh yeah, let her, let her keep going. At the end of that scene, I came out thinking, you know, that's interesting. That's, That is a demonstration from her, right? Like, that not only is this room not a safe place, but my entire career is not a safe place. And largely, the country slash world is not a safe place for me. I felt like it made more of a point than it had any business doing. First of all, that's like
1: an old OG Vince Gilligan bacon gauntlet ham-fisted, like, writing, uh, typing it out with a hammer kind of, you know. Sure, illusion if that's true and number two i still come back to the core is that she's in the wrong yeah yeah you know it's like when ray is screaming about that's my boy and i've raised him and all that stuff it's like yeah but you've also done a lot of fucked up shit and i'm not sure i want Mm -hmm. you as that guy's parent right now i feel the same thing about annie like Mm -hmm. you did have sex with a inferior officer and that's against the department policy and you also like her attitude was essentially the same as these guys' attitude when she was talking to her boss. Like, this is bullshit. This is blah. This wouldn't happen if but it's a man, make which every, is not.
0: That doesn't make every point she ever makes invalid.
1: I know, but I'm saying that, like, it's a foundational problem. Mm-hmm. Like, if they're trying to go there with this, my problem is that she is blind to her own contributing to the problem, I guess.
0: Okay. I think it's fairly consistent with most of these characters.
1: Well, but you know <laughs> They can't
0: see their own faults.
1: Yeah, I, I agreed. Um but yeah, I don't know. There's there's something it seems like she's gonna go undercover at a sex party. Seems like it. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that.
0: She's gonna have to have implants or something. She's gonna have to go uh, and have
1: yeah. the uh the twenty four hour boob job, <laughs> uh huh, tummy tuck, nose Facelift. job. Yeah, all that lift. stuff. She's got to go from an eight to a ten. And yeah, I get is again. It's Rachel McAdams. I mean, she absolutely like can do that with a makeup nine and... to a
0: ten, right? For her.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, but, I mean, if you look at Annie, <laughs> with her, you know, three month old root job, and she's got like some facial uh-huh. scarring, and she's got like dark circles. She's smoking. She's drinking. Yeah. She's got a lot of mileage on her, and they've they've established that this is for women who are surgically enhanced perfection yes they are like fuck toys i don't know how i'll feel about her passing for that she's gonna go in in a bird mask (laughs) well i mean that's if it's an eyes wide shut kind of thing Uh maybe that's what happens there you go could be everybody trade as a dude and one of them might be danny devito (laughs) you never know
0: right you never know (laughs) uh and i can't help but think at some point this belt buckle knife comes out yeah
1: yeah, that was not shown to us for no reason. Yeah. And, you know, the checkoffs, hidden knives everywhere on their body, I'm sure yeah. is going to come into the, the plot where she has to go undercover yeah. into a sex club. Yeah, you're you're probably you're probably right now. Will her sister, you know, I also think it's kind of foreshadowed that her sister's going to somehow get wrapped up in this again. Yep. She's pushing her back into after, her old habits. After she's said how healthy she is and she yep. doesn't have the weird lime green school. hair anymore <laughs> and she's gotten to school and she's like, she's she's as dangerous as a cop who's two days away from retirement, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. So I think that's another kind of interesting because I, I don't know. I, I'm a sucker for uh, paternal and fraternal or, or um, you know, sorority and fraternal type relationships, so
2: mm-hmm.
1: – uh, that's still interesting, but I'm wondering if I'm actually going to buy the undercover work she's doing, especially since, again, Mayor Chisani, the Chassanis are they uh, both Mayor and Tony are going to recognize her. Yeah, they know her by face. They know her by name. They've had beef with her and they're all up in this party. Mm-hmm. So, again, if this is a low profile off the radar, nobody ping anybody's Internet router or whatever the Angelo Barksdale's mother was going on about uh this seems you know you don't some of the actions like going to beating the shit out of dr Pitlore and then sexing yourself up and going to sex party seems like it's counter to those goals okay I'm, i'm with you i'm worried about that yeah we'll see how it plays
0: out um let's go to frank all right frank and his wife have uh what i think are some pretty good scenes in this episode
1: I, I think they're the best part of this episode.
0: You know, I, I compare... So I I famously did not like Vince Vaughn before this. Kind of disliked the guy in a very visceral way. Sure. Um, I feel like he's had his Jim Carrey moment for me. Hmm. Like where I've come around on him as a dramatic actor. Hmm. Like seeing him only as a comedian before. Um, There were a couple of scenes in here, especially the one where he's talking to his wife in the bar, in, in the, the back room there. And she, you know, tells him about the other operation she had and that she may not be able to have a kid. kid. Uh, there's a lot of emotion on his face and it comes through in a really compelling way for me anyway. And, and it's telling that he's mostly silent in that scene, right? <laughs> Maybe that's why I
1: like that scene so much. Well,
0: But yeah. I think he does some
1: strong silent work there. And I believed their arc about like, you know, how anti he was about the adoption mm-hmm. and then her line about when you're saying you don't want to take on someone else's problems, you're, you're talking about that little boy you were. Yeah. And, and kind of like, what would, you know, you're, it's kind of like an act of self hate and also how things might've turned out differently if they both had better parents like that stuff. I pretty much bought and also her throwing in the face, like, cause he's saying like, Hey, you know, you love me or don't, you know who I am, you know what I'm capable of. Mm -hmm. And then he gets kind of pissy at her for not talking about, you know, the depths of her infertility and she throws it back in his face. Well, that's all good stuff. Yeah. And mm-hmm. everyone talks about Annie being a strong female character. I see her as more of a cartoon. I actually really like Jordan. I, I think yeah. when I think back of all the wives of powerful antihero men and, mm-hmm. and the, the golden age of television we have so far, she's quickly rising the ranks. Like she's, she's there with the women we've seen on justified as being a well-written, well-realized, powerful character and a mm-hmm. good foil without resorting to just a standard uh well they'll just make her be a a roadblock and a, a just a general bitch sure um yeah. and you can really see the the pisolato in this
0: scene um, it seems like that's one of his core tenets is that uh bringing children into the world in anything less than perfect ideal circumstances is a crime against the child uh that's reflected here as much as it was in season 1 certainly
1: I mean, we also we I think we talked about this, but they made it very explicit that Frank was involved in this poisoning of the land deal. Yeah. And also that, interestingly enough, the guy that he sold that waste management facility to just recently came off at, you know, Frank said, I've never seen him finish a beer. Suddenly he got too drunk and ran off the road. Mm-hmm. Very suspicious stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's Makes a, you wonder whether South Frank later. is going to be, you know, if they're if these powerful men are going after everyone that knows where the bodies are buried and killing them. All right. And if that's the case, then Frank is making the job easier by making so many enemies. The other thing I want to talk about is like, I thought it really worked having these Mexican. I assume they're part of the cartel coming to reassert mm-hmm. their turf, and him just basically telling them to go fuck themselves hard. Yeah, it imbued every scene of him looking at his clubs with a with a lot of tension. Yeah, because you're just thinking like, man, who's going to come up and get knifed? Who's going to come up and get shot is 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 Jordan in danger? Are they going to strike back? And she's t- talking about spending a lot of time at home alone. Mm-hmm. Like these are all things that like, oh, man, I actually felt the tension building <laughs> in me. Yeah, you feel you feel a lot of that um, in
0: the scenes where, like you said earlier, he's just surveying his bar. You can tell he's not just on the lookout for things that might be going wrong at his bar. He's he's thinking, you know, yeah. he's got a lot on his mind and. It's involving uh, people who may be coming for retribution. It's involving all of the, the hookers that he's running through his place here. Uh, it, there's so much going on in his head as to how he's going to get this hard drive back. I mean, everything is just happening behind the eyes here, and you can really see it. And I think that's another thing that made me really turn a corner on Vince Vaughn in this season. Okay. And the final character to talk about here is Ray. What do you think of Ray this episode and his plot line? Some big revelations.
1: I mean, I, I like Ray, but I continue to think that this custody hearing is kind of bullshit. Like his I, reaction more to the custody hearing, right? Why do you say that? Like
0: The custody hearing something that's got to play out and it's going to do its thing, well, but his reaction, his total bafflement at the idea that this would be happening to him.
1: I felt like I missed something in the 66 days because... You know, and even then, you know, sixty six days or sixty six books in the Bible. This is like one short of <laughs> the mild beast, like fucking Nick, man. Do you have to <laughs> layer it on so much? Uh. But no, see, I, I feel like there's something missing in sixty six days because last we saw her, she tried to give him ten thousand dollars to go fuck off. Mm-hmm. And now he's expressing threatening
0: him with the paternity test. Right.
1: Well, he, she did that. But she's like, look, I don't want to do that. Take ten thousand dollars. Just go yeah. away quietly. And mm-hmm. he I thought was on board with that until he went and his son maybe gave mixed messages about whether leaving would be a bad idea, which that worked for me, too. But why he says, number one, that's the first time she looked at me with hatred in her eyes. No, no, (laughs) no. I've seen all of your scenes together. Every other one Uh, is her looking at you in that exact same expression. And two, the only thing that's changed that I know of in the 66 days is she's now found out that Ray has lied to her well he was wrong but there's some confusion thinks, here yes she but. thinks he lied to her about taking revenge on this rapist uh-huh. so if anything she's even more inclined to think that he is a a, a terrible person and a terrible father yes. so why would he be surprised like you i trusted you why? why she's been you know when someone comes at you with a knife and says i'm going to stab you in the back i'm 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 going i'm coming around to your yeah. flank still stabbing you in the back and then they get behind <laughs> there and they stab you in the back how can you be shocked yeah, yeah, I feel I, like there's something got caught in the editing, or I fell asleep for five minutes in a show, in an episode yeah. three times watching it. I don't know what happened, but that is one of the big problems I have with his whole character. His whole paternity thing seems like bullshit, and then his reaction to it seems like bullshit too. I know it's 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 just a MacGuffin essentially to keep him needing money and needing to be. I mean, it, this is essentially stretching sure. him between two poles. Uh, loyalty to frank which that's up in smoke now and and loyalty to what he knows is right and actually seeing justice um which seems like a big deal for his character i don't know how they're going to resolve that so they leave
0: us on a cliffhanger at the end of this
1: episode you got ray and frank face to face at
0: his front door um they call him I, fair- we're all supposed to assume that he's
1: going to viciously beat the man yes that's what his reaction to everybody else has been. Now, Frank is, is a... Well first of character. all, we've seen Frank beat a man down, too. Yes. So uh-huh. Pull his teeth I, out. <laughs> th- that, that would be kind of a prize fight I wouldn't mind seeing.
0: Sure. Th- there's another option here. Could he turn on him in this investigation? I don't... Like It clearly seems like he has a head of steam right now.
1: The smart play would be to continue to make Frank think you're loyal to him and and helping him with the hard drive and all that stuff, but also work against him to bring him down. That would be the smart play. Could he
0: be coming with uh, a message that is a uh, red herring for Frank and is going to send him off in a direction that, that Ray wants him to go in? Is, is there I, any chance that the beating doesn't happen like we think it will? Oh, no.
1: I, I give a 0% chance that they actually get in a, <laughs> a fist fight or that Frank shoots him with that gun that he's got. Or I, I think it's going to be, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it's more interesting, but it's going to be different than that. That's what they want us to think. Certainly.
0: Absolutely. That's what I was thinking going out of this episode. Um, I, I mean, this is this was not surprising to me, this big reveal of no Frank tricked him yeah i called that episode one as soon as i saw him hand the picture to the guy i was like there's no way that's the real guy
1: yeah no i mean this that
0: granted kinda, it was all an assumption but it turned out to be true and
1: it I mean, didn't surprise me that's way. the danger of the psychosphere when you've got like stuff like the fact that his son's not his real son and they're I actually thought that was pretty heavy-handed the point that they're making i did too yeah and i don't think that that's necessarily a shock but also that we were speculating like that's not the right guy Mm-hmm. and you got the you know uh bohemian grove stuff and all this that that part of that is that when you see this actually yes the foreshadowing was right and this is all unfolding according to plan is it feels <laughs> anticlimactic and i don't yeah. know if that's my fault for knowing too much about this mm-hmm. or it's the show's fault for you being know being too predictable being being too predictable but
0: yeah it's i'm a guy who a watches the show
1: three times a week and spends five plus hours on reddit and forums and stuff reading uh, this and examining frame by frame stuff i i could be i'm acknowledging that i might be part of the problem on it's the never-ending battle between the internet and creators yeah that that's only gonna get worse i kind of would be interested in ray playing this double agent role against frank because I, I would too I also it don't seems know. like that's where he's
0: headed right like I, I don't think he's doing all this stuff for Frank because he wants to. Yeah, he needs the money, but I don't think he likes Frank. I don't think he wants to be a part of Frank's operation. I think he's kind of forced into it by circumstance.
1: Yeah. It'd be hard for a cop to like a, even a dirty one, to actually like in a friendly way and be loyal. But he does. He, when he's giving that speech to his son about, you know, loyalty often brings you pain and how much pain can you take and all that stuff. Like he was talking about his mm-hmm. relationship with Frank. Like, he feels a real sense of loyalty to him, and you're going to have a commiserate sense of betrayal when you find out the truth. Yeah, so so
0: if he wasn't – you know, he was on board before. There's no way he's on board with Frank
1: now. No, that's what I'm kind of excited about. I I think that Ray is clever enough, and now he's sober. That's the other crucial thing. He's been sober for two – well – He's been off drugs. (laughs) A sober Frank is a dangerous, or sober Ray is a dangerous Ray? He's been sticking the booze. Uh, I I hope that he comes up with something that's really going to blow our minds as far as a long con to take care of Frank here. Yeah. I think I, just I, beating the shit out of him and hoping that there's no retribution yeah.
0: would be a bad idea. No,
1: no. and, I, and I, the other thing is like I haven't given a lot of thought about how I want this show to end. Like I was thinking uh-huh. at this point in time, like psh, was is Russ going to die? Is Woody going di- to or uh, is Marty going to die? Um, you know, his is Marty's daughter going to be involved. I haven't really given that a lot of thought. Like, is it because you don't care if most characters die? <laughs> I mean, well, I wonder if Ray dying in, you know, quote unquote, dying in episode two has kind of inoculated me for that, because I'm mm. just sitting there thinking, like, what combinations of people. But I felt that when season one, like, I don't know, I'd necessarily be upset if Russ died. It seemed like narratively that would make a lot of sense. Whereas here I haven't thought, like, am I rooting for Vince or Frank? Am I rooting for Ray? I guess I'm kind of rooting for Ray not to be a scumbag. But that's I am, too. That's right. my mission statement at this point. Like, I'm rooting for Ray not to be a scumbag. And I'm rooting for Frank to figure out what the hell's going on. Why, Frank got, why he's, he's very, being so persecuted. He's very sympathetic, but he's also Somehow. doing a lot of terrible things. I like, know. Um, I, I know why he's sympathetic because of that story told about his childhood. Like, he's trying. Yeah, to Yeah, but he, we have
0: no right to care about him. Right. I mean, With the horrible shit that he's doing, we shouldn't.
1: I don't well, we know. Do. You don't have any right to like care or celebrate about Jay Z. But I think it's kinda cool that guy went from being a drug dealer to being legit billionaire or whatever it is now and sure. You know, politically and socially important. There's kinda like the same American fascination we had with Al Capone. Yeah, yeah. You know, a guy there's there's a little we, we like that Bonnie and Clyde shit. We like that. Uh, yeah, somebody the, who takes life by the reins and just does what they need to do yeah and maybe they hurt Takes people charge. but they're people that we're not sympathetic to you know sure. like they're he's roughing they up us, and gangsters so. and and guys that took shady deals to get you know in with organized labor it's like ah fuck them mm-hmm. they deserve it anyway all right i think his wife also humanizes him like she's his human credentials like we like her <laughs> because she likes him yeah. We like him because she does yeah kind of yeah okay The other thing I kind of want to talk about before, because I don't think this is quite psychosphere material, but understanding because you've been all over this catalyst since episode one. We know that the president of Catalyst, who used to be uh, the president of the San Fernando Rail Company, which if you remember in early Hmm. interviews about right after True Detective season one, Nick was talking about how. He conceived season two as the secret history of the cult beginnings of America's railroad system. Okay. You know, we're talking about, and this is like, you know, this kind of light rail system they're blazing through. Mm-hmm. This guy now, that company is kind of morphed into this much smaller now Catalyst company, which is this holding company that's been buying up the properties. Uh, we know McCandless also, because of Dr. Pitlor's, you know, kind of torture confession, that mm-hmm. he is involved very deeply in the Chisani sex, you know, Bohemian Grove cult. Yeah. I mean, experience. if the hard drive, if asking Frank to get the hard drive for him wasn't enough. Right. Sure. You've got a confession too. We, we know all this stuff. What does that tell us about Cat? Is, is this a story of Ben Casper getting too greedy and trying to actually, when he actually went, like him and Tony's like, hey, okay, it's time to start blackmailing folks. Mm. They tried to blackmail people and, and uh, Ben paid the price at the hand, at the behest of McCandless, and now he's trying to do damage control, and Frank is just collateral damage in this whole thing?
0: It has always felt to me like Frank has been collateral damage um, until Stan got killed, and I don't know why they would kill well, not Stan. not only that,
1: but the fact that they, if they're going to kill the guy that Frank sold his business to, why wouldn't Frank be part of the target, too? Like, why wasn't he targeted yeah. right away? Because he knows... You know, he's like you know that that's chopping off the arm of the the squid. Frank is the squid.
0: Yeah, it almost feels like the the rail deal is incidental. Like some of the people who are mixed up in the sex stuff are also mixed up in the land deals in a way that's weird. Like they don't seem totally cohesive yet. These these sex rings and and the land deal.
1: No. And you think back to that big party where they're going to kick off this, this rail announcement, you know, you had, you had OSIP and you had Chan, uh, mm. you had the, uh, Chesani and you had McCandless and you had Frank and you had Casper supposed to be there, but he was like all these people were in the same room. Like is the, is the sex thing what brings all this stuff together? I think the answer is yes, but why yeah. wasn't, why does Frank not know about any of that? Yeah. Is that plausible? This guy connected to Vernon has not heard one rumor of this rich, powerful sex cult, and these Weird, guys because we know he's
0: connected to both Casper and Trisani. But
1: it seemed like directly, yeah. But it seemed like he that that Casper was his connection to McCandless and Catalyst. Then he'd never actually met this guy because that was one of the other shoes that, that dropped in a, episode two or three. He found out that Ben Casper was actually charging him ten million for some a buy and stake at yeah. five, mm-hmm. which. You know, that's what ultimately fucked Frank over. Frank had the money to do the buyout, but he thought he needed 10 million. This is why he needed money from OSIP and all these other guys. So that's the other connection. I just I don't know whether we're slow. And when I say we the entire internet, because I don't think anyone else has made that connection yet either. Or whether we just don't have the information yet. But there's something that's bothering me about all that relationship, (laughs) too. I think it's supposed to. Okay, I think that's by design. We have some feedback to consider. Let's do it. Uh Kelsey E says, listen, you guys discuss whether or not you'd be watching the season of Wasn't for True Detective brand. I was reminded of another show that I think better fills the void left by season one. You should check out Top of the Lake. It's a British show filmed and set in rural New Zealand. It stars Elizabeth Peggy Moss as a detective and Holly Hunter as a kind of a cult leader. Moss is investigating the disappearance of a young girl and the show follows her as she looks in the leads, etc. in town. It's a slow burn, moody series. It's wonderfully acted and beautifully shot. It also has a really unique female character and dives into women's lives in a way I haven't really seen a detective show do before. It's only seven episodes and it's streaming on Netflix. Hmm. Seems like it's a pretty strong recommendation. Just on casting alone.
0: Yeah, I might like all those people.
1: Out. And I, I, I remember that when this came out, it won a lot of Critics' Choice stuff uh, two years ago. And I think this might, you know... If I end up being bummed out by season two, I might go to Top of the Lake to uh, wash wash the taste out of my mouth. Do you ever get that feeling when you're watching a show like you
0: should enjoy this more than you are? Like all of the pieces are there. I feel that way about Doctor Who. Like I should really like Doctor Who. I'm a big sci-fi fan.
1: I like the actors involved. It just doesn't compel me to watch it. About I, the just- same, I mean, I feel the same way about Doctor Who, number one. I also feel the same way about Battlestar. Like okay. why don't like I I, yeah. I I made myself watch season 1 and it was painful and I'm like why <laughs> I don't it. I like this. Yeah. There's a couple of shows like that that I recognize they're good, they're just not for me. Another one this recently This is one of those
0: for me, True Detective.
1: Is uh is it What is that damn show with the girl that plays like five different parts? Black Orchid? Uh Orphan Black. Orphan Black. Yeah. Sorry, I got it all screwed up. <laughs> um yeah, I, that's another one where it's like I got 4 episodes into it and I'm like I recognize the quality of this, but mm-hmm. there is something about either – sometimes it's – I think Doctor Who is mostly about the effects and okay. the production values. Like even mm-hmm. in Modern Who, it's shaky compared to the things that I do like. Hmm. Um, and then I don't know what it is about Orphan Black. But yeah, I know I feel you on that. Yeah,
0: sometimes there's just an intangible thing that you can't put your finger on that just doesn't – doesn't do it for you.
1: Yeah, like I, you know, I feel the same way. When people tell me that like Mad Men is boring, I'm like, Pfft. but yeah, objectively, I can't really argue with them. <laughs> sure. Um, AJ's, uh, who emailed us last week as well, uh, said want to talk about an aspect of True Detective that was annoyed and disappointed with an episode two, but now I've grown to love. Let's start with episode one, where the first article in an eight part series of chronicling Vinci's corruption is a needle in everyone's balloon in multiple scenes, and the advice which introduces us to several main characters by way of their reactions it was awesome and I loved it. And I conjured up this whole mythology about how the series will involve in tandem with the headlines. Maybe the author had killed Casper and he'll be breadcrumbing detectives along via newspaper. But sadly, no. Episode two rolls around and not a peep. I was mystified. The story that Nick is selling is that the LA Times asked an investigative journalist to do an eight part series exposing the most corrupt city governance in modern America. After a couple of swats and a clever Stephen King or Stephen Hawking's quip, he's like, Oh no, how could this happen? I give up. Uh, Seriously? Or that the only copy of this investigation in existence is on, on his home laptop? In any event, I was sad that that narrative had apparently run its course. However, I've been really floored by how cool it is that this series is based on real-life locations. You can map out the trails of, say, Casper's Killer, driving past a Mulholland Drive sign onto the 101 in Hollywood, heading out to Moogoo Point. And getting directed to the point, the exposure and micro treatment being brought to Vernon is fascinating. On KPC's Welcome to Vinci podcast, the set location coordinator spoke about getting permission to shoot in Vernon. And to the effect of, they said, if they knew what we were doing, we never would have been given access. And it made me realize something. The eight part expose that occupied so much attention in episode one didn't end. We're actually watching it now. Do you think that that's plausible that one of Nick's goals is to shine a flashlight on Vernon and to get people talking about that again? In a serial sort of way? Yeah. Like it. So. So, for example, Hmm. P.T. Anderson. Totally didn't make a anti-Scientology film that totally wasn't a takedown of L. Ron Hubbard's life called The Master. All right. Nothing to do with Scientology. Nothing to do with L. Ron Hubbard. And yet that kind of kicked off the modern criticism of Scientology. Then you had a whole bunch of scandals in the press. Then you had Going Clear. And it's kind of inarguable that that brought Scientology. Like every 10 years, it comes back into public consciousness. That was Mm -hmm. something that did it. Do you think that this is similar, that, you know, obviously I don't think Vernon is involved in some kind of crazy Bohemian Grove sex cult. I don't think Bohemian Grove is even involved in some kind of crazy murder <laughs> sex cult, okay? uh uh-huh. um, But hmm. it is corrupt as hell, and there's a lot of funny business, and sure. the state of California has proven unequal to the task of defeating it, mm, putting it, giving it to HBO treatment. Is that something that he would be interested in?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Um I'm going to throw them back at you. Do you think it's self-defeating if if you don't think that there's some crazy sex cult and all that stuff going on to fictionalize it in that way or to be better
1: off as a documentary series? I, I think sometimes that works better. You think so? Like nobody reads newspapers, people watch television. Sure. And yes, but they also like,
0: watch documentaries. It I mean he could just do a straight up documentary if that's Not his a goal. lot.
1: You you watch documentaries. Bald New fans watch documentaries. People watch documentaries, but not that many people watch documentaries. Really? Yes. Man, I don't know. We talk about them in the forums, and a lot of people like. A lot well, of I know, like a lot of fans of like high quality, highbrow television do, but not a lot of people sit around and just watch Netflix Netflix documentaries. After the jinx, I bet they do. Well, I mean, that could change things. There you go. That was a really sexed up. I could slick... also sour you on them too. I don't
0: know. like. Not every documentary ends like that. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's like the <laughs> the the gold standard. Uh-huh. Um, most of it is is more like serial. But yeah, I mean, I think there's a renaissance of documentaries right now. But I think that. Anytime you parody or take an extreme, you get people interested in something and then they actually do the research and you're like, what the fuck? Why are we allowing this to happen? OK, mm-hmm. well, yeah. women aren't being tra- trafficked and murdered and all that stuff. But still, there's these people profiting from and, and destroying the environment and, and stealing tax money and all that stuff. And that probably should stop. Why are we allowing this to happen?
0: All right. Maybe that's a secondary goal.
1: Sure. Anyway, I thought it was like, again, I don't, you know, I, I, I doubt that was his prime objective, but I thought it was a pretty, sure. pretty, pretty interesting thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rhett R said, I really feel like season two has to come back to the Tuttles. Explicitly <laughs> linking season one to season two. Does he say why? Hear him out. Okay. Uh, what all of the weird animal masks and the missing girls and the Raven videotapes he or she ran off with and the Pineapple Polynesian Ridge mm-hmm. Institute. It all seems very similar to the style of the Tuttles, especially the being inferred last season that they didn't catch all the guys in the Marie Fontenot videotape. It'd be pretty plausible and interesting to see them relate it back to the Tuttles, since it was said last season that one of the Tuttles was a mayor of Houston or something, which could be a clue that the Tuttles have a very extensive reach. The moment where the when the detectives and the audience realize that the stuff going on in season one and season two is a nationwide thing controlled by the same group of people could be a really special moment. What do you think?
2: Is Rust
1: actually the (laughs) Birdman? That's 100% certain. Did you see he had Uh, a ponytail sticking out from the Birdman? And a Lone Star can in his hand.
0: (laughs) I would be shocked if that was the case, if they tie this in any way back to season one, plot-wise. I mean, thematically, it's all over
1: season one. I wouldn't be shocked. I I, I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be, I guess, surprised. It wouldn't destroy the show for me. I'm not saying I would be shocked in a bad way.
0: I just cannot see that happening.
1: I, I think if he was going to do that, if he's the type of guy that was thinking about doing that, that's something that you leave open-ended and maybe in season three or season four, that's the one where... All right. You know... Just puts a bow on the whole package. Yeah, like you find out that this is Tuttle's all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> that's too clever. That needs to be a title of an episode.
0: Uh, season three, episode eight, titled uh-huh. Tuttle's all the way down.
1: <laughs> um... Danny 8 says, have you discussed, it does seem that this this season really is Pizzolatto addressing all of the quote-unquote problems people had with season one. We have a strong female lead whose storyline includes a woman's struggle within the police force. This leads me to believe that the killer this year will be a female character. I think the killer is the missing girl from episode one that Annie is looking into. She's probably a victim or witness of the violent crime uh, sex crime at the party. So she got revenge by killing Casper in the cabin. We saw at the end of episode five, how did he find that cabin or house? Because she used the phone there. What do you think mm. of? So here's, I actually think there's a conspiracy of the crow or the Raven that this girl was on the inside trying to get information. I think the photos that she took and she then mailed to her sister were part of that attempt. I think she was working with some people, maybe the mayor's daughter, Like, she wasn't acting alone. Maybe the mayor's daughter's in this, maybe the Scarface girl's in this, but she was like their woman inside, Mm -hmm. because I can't else explain, like, if... Who else can get into those parties? I mean, Dixon, like, I guess Dixon could be their photographer, but someone stole those and and included it with the invitation and all these incriminating photos and mailed them out. Yeah. That person wasn't Dixon. Okay. So... That person was also not the killer? I... I don't think, uh, so one of my theories is that we're going to find out that that missing girl, that Vera, is the mm-hmm. one that was duct taped to that chair and, and killed. Could be. Because Casper, I think, was killed at Casper's house.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't seem like the the bloodstains are. Yeah, and she went missing and wounds. her last
1: contact was kind of around in the September area. Yeah. And that was when they dated that party and she got a little <laughs> too, you know, she was snooping around a little too much and they just offed her. Okay. But I do think that the, the, the Raven is not a single person. Um, maybe the Raven is a single person, but that kind of is a conspiracy on its own. Maybe the um, uh, Casper's new secretary is in on it, too. Like, there's a Fox Force 5 working on the inside <laughs> to take this thing down. Wow. I mean, a more plausible okay. version of that. But, yeah, that's what I'm sure. talking about. The Deadly Viper Assassin Squad.
0: Hmm. I think you might be stretching. <laughs>
1: Uh, Doug L., our lawyer pal from the Better Call Saul days, had some legal analysis of Ray's paternity woes. He said, I wanted to chime in on the legal issues raised by the show, particular impact of Ray's paternity. And he quotes California Family Code Section 3040. Custody should be granted the following order of preference according to the best interest of the child to both parents jointly or to either parent. That's no brainer. To neither parent or to persons or persons to in whose home the child has been living in a wholesome and stable environment. To any other person or persons deemed by the court to be suitable and able to provide adequate and proper care and guidance for the child, Uh, this section allows the courts, and still quoting, and uh, the family the widest discretion to choose the parenting plan as in best interest of the child in cases where the child has more than two parents. The court shall allocate custody and visitation among the parents based on the best interest of the child, including but not limited to addressing the child's need for continuity and stability by preserving established patterns of care and emotional bonds. Mm -hmm. Now, this all collectively says that the state of California recognizes that there are instances where a child has more than two two parents Mm -hmm. and that it's not necessarily a biological. It's about who the child thinks of as their parents and who's been giving them a stable home environment. So it seems yeah. like it's an uphill climb to just exclude Ray because he's not genetically related. They were married at the time. He's the child on the birth sure. certificate. Or he's the father on the birth certificate, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but
0: I mean the continuity also is an issue there for Ray, right?
1: What do you mean? I
0: mean, Ray has – he's not been living with Ray. He's been living with his mother and her boyfriend. No, husband, he got him every other, is, every other weekend. Every other weekend. Sure. Now
1: it's like yeah. they're wanting to do visitation, but there, it seems like – yeah. It seems like the strong material is well, he has
0: to say he has to make a case that he has a stable home environment and that I feel is rough.
1: Well, no, I think that I mean, yeah, he's gotten clean mostly, but that's still an up. I think his ex-wife has to make the case that he doesn't. That's a difference. Like you'd have to send social workers Mm -hmm. out there and say, yes, your home is a shithole. We know it's not. Well, he's about dr- to be evicted, by the way. Well, that's so. <laughs> that's an interesting thing. Yes, but like, if he went out to his home, it's it's it seems like it's fine. It's clean. It's not in like a ghetto, um, mm. and even that's not a problem. It's clean and it's safe. And then, do you piss clean? He's going to piss clean. Did yeah. you actually kill a man? It seems like the official story is that he doesn't now. Like, it's starting to feel like she's going to have an uphill, uphill battle. That's what Doug yeah. says. He goes, yeah, "I think maybe so." I think both you and the listeners have keyed on a narrative problem. The show wants to make it a big deal legally that Ray is not the father and that he somehow loses all parental rights if he isn't. Any reasonable person would point out that Ray is the only father the boy knows. He thinks of him as his father, and then he's fulfilled that role for better or worse. The court's not going to strip his rights away in favor of a rapist his kid has never met. As the statute says, the court has widest discretion in doing what's best for the child, meaning that even if Ray isn't the father, that shouldn't change much at all. Of course... The court could also take into consideration that Ray is an addict who beats other kids' parents to the pulp and who's likely corrupt. It could also take into consideration the rights of the kid's real father or relatives on that side insofar as they may have rights too. but that doesn't subtract from Ray's rights. I actually did a little bit independent research. There's some states where rapists can file for paternity rights. Oh, boy. That's (laughs) fucked up. Yeah. That Uh, seems like it. But I don't think that's the case here. So... I'm with, uh, yeah, I keep coming back to just not buying this whole thing. And Nick really wants us to buy it. And I also think he, I, I, does he, do you think he wants us to feel like Ray should have rights to this child at this point?
0: Um, honestly, no. The message I get from the show is Ray has, at this point, all but lost his kid.
1: I mean, this is, he has no recourse, is what the show is telling me. This is to me. The same kind of feeling of of Marty raging against his wife leaving him. Yeah. Like, that's what he says as a character. But it, as the audience, we're like, no, you really need to be gone. Well, I, I mean, they're they're not presenting this case
0: of, oh, he may have paternity rights, even if he's not the father. Yeah, there's everything they're showing us is from the other side. Right, but I try to... Threatening that this kid is gone as soon as they figure
1: out that he's not the father. I guess I'm trying to figure out what he's trying to do narratively. And then... Because you can play fast and loose with the facts all you want. Because, you know... Well, that's what I'm saying. He he is telling
0: us that Ray is about to lose his kid right now.
1: Okay. But then what does he he want us to feel about that?
0: Oh, how does he want us to feel? Um, I, I don't know. At the beginning of this series, I felt a lot worse about Ray having any contact with this kid because of the way he was treating him, because of Ray's habits himself. What's changing your mind? He's gotten clean.
1: Well, he's, that's a big deal, yeah. Uh,
0: I haven't seen him in a few episodes beat anyone to a pulp, aside from his work. <laughs> <laughs> he's still beating people to a pulp. People that need to be beat.
1: Ray Pitlore, yeah. I mean, Dr. Pitlore, he's, like I said. beating I have
0: people a, in service of, of stopping a sex ring. i I have okay a with
1: problem that. with that from a police procedure standpoint. Sure. And from an evidence collection standpoint, but I don't have a moral problem with Dr. Pitlore getting this shit kicked out of him. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I, And he showed me a little bit of heart. He showed me that he does have things that he cares about,
0: and clearly he's devastated by this idea that he's going to have his kid taken away. I think it means something to him. I don't know. I've come around on Ray not being as much of a dirtbag anymore. And it's honestly hanging on mostly that he's getting sober. Hmm.
1: I just feel like there's a lot of parallels between Marty when he said, you know, I want this family, I want... but his actions prove false to that power and I you know I think he's he is trying to get his life cleaned up but I don't know how I'm gonna feel about that by the time this is all said and done I mean hell Ray could die I mean that would be one way to tidy this up he's a good person and he dies in a self-sacrificing moment and you Uh, know his son's got that badge and a cube to remember him by psychosphere yeah let's do it are you ready to, are you ready to help this thing yeah uh let's talk about the holden gambles theory which i read on reddit and then i read on our forums that he had posted and he was a bald moo fan this whole time the, cons- okay. the bald moo conspiracy runs deep we infiltrated the, reddit from the top down
0: is this the big uh gene and jordan theory yes okay this cool. is so uh yeah gene slattery that's the part that I think we agree on and so, think has the most supporting evidence.
1: And Gene Slattery was the guy we think that ran the poker house before Frank did.
0: Before Frank did, yeah. So he's mentioned in the series earlier by Chasani when he's talking to Frank. You know, um, there's a discussion about you know how I've I've run this clean for six years, nobody's figured it out. Um, and Gene Slattery is mentioning that conversation as he's doing a better job than Gene did. Well, he did at least that he took over it. So so that brings up a lot of questions about this guy who he had Ray kill Mm -hmm. with this picture Um,
1: and and the timing on that seems to line up maybe when he took over this club. Well, so the big problem I have with that is that that's the 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 timeline doesn't quite add up Um, to me. It seemed like Ray, his wife got raped while she's still pregnant with his son. He killed this guy. If that's Gene Slatter and that led to him taking over to Poker House, then there is a... Because I don't know, how how old do you think that kid is? Like, minimum eight? Probably more like 12? 13? Uh, t- I'd say 10 to... 10 or 11 or so. But but still... So you got like a four to five year gap explaining... Why do you say
0: that she was pregnant with him when he took his retribution? Why would he, he wait till four guy?
1: years after He didn't to- know who
0: it was. We, get, we don't really know when Frank comes to him with that picture.
1: Yeah, but it just, I'm saying from a, the way he acted, like it was still a fresh wound. Yeah. I, that was just the impression I had, that this is mm. something that's still a raw deal for him. Or maybe his wife got raped and this has just been a few days or weeks. Like, I didn't think it was like years later that he comes in. Yeah. You found my wife's rapist, I'm going to go kill him. Like, So there are assumptions on
0: both sides here, right? <laughs> Sure. Assumptions you're making assumptions the the Reddit uh, thread makeables HG HG is making, um, but I I feel like I, I don't know it feels right it feels right knowing now that that is not the guy who Frank um, who who raped Ray's wife it feels like Frank would do something like this to increase his power and if he could take that why guy else would out, he do it. Yeah, that, that's what he's out for, right? Yeah, He's he's trying to move and this on would, In
1: one fell swoop, would eliminate a competitor, would uh-huh. have him a cop that's now beholden to him, that he's got blackmail materially over. Um, someone that's loyal to him when a lot of the other corrupt cops and Vinci are loyal to the mayor's department. A lot of benefits to bringing Ray into the fold this way. Seems like it to me. I, I don't know that you have to speculate too much and go too far off the reservation to get to that conclusion. Uh, there's a lot of other follow-on to that theory, where he continues to say that, um, like Jordan, when she's referring to the surgeries, that this is an oblique reference to the uh, procedures that Pitlore is doing, that she might have been one of the. Traffed girls the eights that he's spinning in the tens, and that part of these which i actually like this part of the theory too that part of the treatments that pitlor is doing is sterilizing these women Mm -hmm. because if you've got these sex doll type women that you are having fun with and disposing the last thing you want one of them is to do is get pregnant because that's actually proof that senator so-and-so is fucking these women at the sex parties and it's a big scandal so he's saying that these surgeries Mm -hmm. could be the referring to the plastic surgeries we think that she's referring to like a a euphemism for abortion
0: i think contextually that makes sense
1: i think it's true too um but then then he goes on and says further that she's one of those girls that was sterilized and then Osip placed her as like a manchurian wife to Uh keep tabs on frank um and that she's still somehow feeding information to Osip. because we know that I mean, she was fr- she was friendly to Osip like kissing him was. on the cheeks and, but that's kind of like professional hostess, yeah
0: could be courtesy, could be something more devious I mean, I mentioned this in that episode, and
1: then there was the the creepy producer guy that was like overly familiar with her, but she's yeah. all saying that hey, in my twenties I lived a life, you know yeah i had i I got multiple abortions and things, so it's like mm-hmm. none of this seems like smoking gun material, and then he further yeah. says that paul's mother is one of these girls that um and maybe that's why pitlor started sterilizing women because she got pregnant with I mean Paul. that's just pure Yeah, I mean that's where I'm there's talking no about there's no supporting evidence there. You're you're three levels of speculation deep on that and that's where I, those things are where I start to to be skeptical but I like the gene slattery the idea I do too, that yeah. again I the timing potentially is an issue the ca- the motivations line up it seems like there's a lot to go on there. And if it's not the poker house, it could also be him taking over the Lux, Which might, because we don't really know a good timeline of when Frank took that mm. club over. Yeah. I don't know. So
0: he but, also mentions the comment to Frank that, you know, it's a seller's market out there. Maybe this
1: is some kind of veiled threat that he'll do to Frank what Frank did to Gene. Ex- right. Right. Uh, I and we're supposed to understand that and if if Frank's history is that he bumped off a competitor to get there then that makes the threat even more explicit. Only works in hindsight but you know in a rewatch that would be pretty cool. All right, uh, you remember the Notice King image? I sure do. Did you like the Notice King image? I fucking hated that. <laughs> I got another one. Actually, for Actually, the
0: image itself is not so bad. The crop job they did is pretty yeah. To solid. make it
1: to make it to make uh-huh. it seem like it was actually more than of a thing than it is. The actually, theories drawn from that image, however, are complete bullshit. I got in a little bit of a Reddit flame war over that because oh, I tried didn't? to point out the fact that like that image that you are posting is a heavily cropped thing uh-huh. that you see for perhaps three frames total. As it's moving through the scene as know. it's been if you take out the cropping and all that, it's nothing at all. And, you know, yeah. um, but anyway, there is I'm directing your attention to the screen again. Every image that I reference here is in our show notes under the psychosphere supporting section. Um, there is as, as Paul is having his angry confrontation with his mother over her stealing his his ill-gotten war funds. And from Afghanistan, she has a tag that's over her head that says VIP. Very important person. One
0: of those door hangers, right? You Mm -hmm. put on a doorknob, like the do not disturb in a hotel. Yeah. Uh, This is on par with the notice king in my mind. As in, notice nothing. It doesn't
1: matter. (laughs) I don't think the the cropping is suspect on this. No, it's not. But... You know, and I, you're right i mean we'll we'll see if she's that important to the plot if she turns out to be important to uh busting uh the ring open does that change your mind sure sure if she's super important and she is a if she is
0: a very important person then kudos to you for catching that but i totally don't buy it at this point
1: right um but I don't know, and like people, I this thing on Reddit. People were using the evidence that Nick Pezzlato retweeted the the uh-huh. Notice King as ironclad evidence. Sure, I'm like he I retweeted,
0: retweeted it. it without context.
1: Yeah, like I retweeted some uh, army guy that put a post-it note that says this Apache helicopter is a property of Jim and Aaron from baldmood.com. Uh-huh. That's not evidence that I fucking own an Apache helicopter. Sure, although if the zombies hit, I totally going to call that that shit in oh yeah but i'm just saying that like sometimes people are just creative people are just amused at the connections and it's funny Mm -hmm. and that's not mean like oh you got me anyway uh there's conclusive proof in this evidence that the party that we see the photos of that annie got a hold of from this missing vera's sister girl if you look at this, there's this one extreme low shot at this prostitute and this person, and in the background you can see this distinctive wooden wagon wheel style chandelier. When Annie and Paul go investigate that little Gurnville sex party lodge, it turned that 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 uh, Vera made the last known phone call from. It has that exact same chandelier hanging in the ceiling. Why is this in Psychosphere? <laughs> What do you mean why is it in Segosphere because that's I mean, it's not plainly a,
0: on the screen,
1: but we did not know that i mean we it's plainly on the screen, but I don't think everyone makes that connection like that's oh that was I a, did. that was like oh, you did, yeah, oh see, I didn't I mean uh, why else show that chandelier conspicuously? <laughs> Well, but the photograph is not that conspicuous. Okay, f- man, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. This is my psychosphere. I'm huffing it.
0: I'll say I only caught it on the second watch because I was like, okay. what the fuck did they show that chandelier for? And then second watch through, okay. I saw that
1: picture. I was like, ah, all right, there it is. Uh, but no, I I think that there's a lot of okay. people that might have missed that. And I think you're supposed to understand. I mean, it understand- just connects those pictures to that building. And you know that there's a sex party to happen yes. and this is prop and this is also the September 9th, so that that uh-huh. blood that puts a clear time context on the, the bloody chair that we find and all that stuff.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh,
1: another evidence, uh, someone had posted from I think episode two where we meet the mayor's daughter. We talked mm-hmm. about how she was doing something in that room and someone did a like a a, a nice screenshot and she's sitting at a desk with a map out with a open book and her cell phone an open book. And people are wondering whether this brings her into the Raven conspiracy. If she's independently trying to work out her father's dirty land deeds and yeah, how they're like
0: connect- Maybe there's a map on her cell phone as well?
1: Yes, exactly. Okay. And maybe she's doing research into this, you know, land toxicity. Uh we know that she already knows a lot about her father's dirty dealings with her mother. Yeah. And she refers to her father as a bad man it would make sense if she's actually working from the inside with perhaps Vera and some others working from inside of Raven mask, maybe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think that's interesting. You know, it doesn't tell us much other than that. She is on to something that they're doing.
1: I thought she was pouring over ledgers when I first saw that and I didn't bother to actually do the screenshot, but no, I think that the map stuff is pretty interesting. Uh, finally, uh, there, this, I don't know what to think about this. So in the credit sequence, there is this woman who is silhouetted black against this kind of bright red background that has a tripod mounted webcam as her eye. And people have been, you know, it's like, okay, well, that's just women and sex, you know, sex cams and all this stuff, cam boring, all that. Someone took a picture of Jordan and superimposed it and she fits perfectly into that silhouette. Yeah. Is this evidence, you know, if 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 not the uh, uh, if this isn't total total evidence for the um, uh, Holden Gamble's theory, is this a little bit of evidence that maybe Jordan is more involved in the Kasani or the Casper Kasani side of things, and been maybe you and I are willing to to accept right now? Why else have her with that cam as her eyeball? So I'm
0: going to throw out an alternate theory that I saw on Reddit, Mm -hmm. which is that is not a webcam. That is one of those um, devices they use to survey land, Hmm. to
1: mark up land for building. It looks like a camera on a tripod to me.
0: Yeah. um, I mean, that would be my first guess, but I'm not very
1: familiar with those devices. Yeah, you're right. It could be a surveyor, you know, one of those little surveyor stakes as well.
0: I feel like the guess that that is Jordan is right on. I think so, too, because the he... hair lines up. Everything lines up. Yeah. The bangs, everything. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to say that means something. Not let's let's totally dismiss sure the yet.
1: surveyor's equipment okay. angle. All
0: right. If you want to go with the webcam angle. Yeah, she could be a spy. Totally.
1: Hmm. Or she knows more about the sex cult scan? Or Maybe she was involved in it. I don't know, but I thought... Either way, she knows more than we know she knows at this point, right? Yeah. Like I, Even not, if that's
0: a surveil device, it's... Yeah,
1: I'm not willing to go all the way over to Holden Gamble, but... I, I After this episode, the first time I watched it, I'm like, there's no fucking way Jordan is involved in any conspiracy against Frank. Yeah. I buy their relationship too much. In fact, enough that... I feel like the show would have to do a lot of work to make me think that she is some kind of Manchurian wife mm-hmm. because the relationship just feels too genuine and also Frank is too perceptive to have that happen and never really? cotton on to it. See, that's interesting because think I've, I've heard you spot? say,
0: well, I've heard you say in other shows, like how could you ever date an actor or an actress? How would you know? That's how would true. you know whether they're just leading you on or whether they genuinely love you? And this is a perfect
1: example of that, right? Is Jordan
0: an actress? I don't know,
1: because she also—that's the other weird thing—is she has some kind of—I uh, I feel like they maybe talked about her background. And... Well, no, but she was able to evaluate this guy's books, financial books, and pronounce them gibberish. Like she's almost got that's a Tyler White bookkeeping yeah. skill. Hmm. And I feel like they might have mentioned that she has some kind of accounting background, and in, in, in like the first yeah. episode, like small talk between her and Ossip and like you know Frank bragging about her. I. I don't know. All right. But she's a deeper character than, than you might think at first. Seems like it. That's it. That's it for the It Kind of light light, light on the psychosphere. All
0: right. Well, I think there's a lot to think about. You know, they they've made
1: some predictions. They, they brought a lot of psychosphere, in my opinion, like front and center. Like yeah. this Bohemian Grove thing is a done deal.
0: Seems like it. And it seems like, you know, Frank did give Ray the wrong guy. Like, I mean, a, an interesting question to ask is whether or not Frank knew that. There's there's some wiggle room there for Frank not knowing that it's the wrong guy you're and maybe right. Chassani feeding it to him.
1: I will say that the reaction Frank has is more like, oh, shit, this shoe that I never thought was going to drop dropped rather than what the fuck is this about? Or maybe he's just scared that like he knows that Ray's a dangerous guy and does yeah. yeah, he really want to blow away uh, <laughs> one of his employees in his house and deal with all that. Sure. Because like, you're right. I mean – He's in, like, some suburban This is a This is a tricky now. situation for, for yeah. you know, Ray could beat the shit out of Frank, and it's no big deal, but Frank blows away Ray. <laughs> that's at least a body to get rid of. and a, Yeah, and the
0: soccer moms next door are going to hear this shit.
1: You would think, yeah. Call the police.
0: Yeah. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. I live it full. I live,
1: I live it wide. Through layers of time, you can't divide. Bald Move depends on your support to create our independent podcast. Find out how you can help out and get lots of great perks such as ad-free podcasts, live video feeds, and other exclusive bonus content at club.baldmove.com. If you'd like to send in your feedback, you can do so by emailing it to truedetective at baldmove.com. You can find all of our content at baldmove.com and participate in our discussion forums. Keep up with our latest release schedules by liking us on Facebook or following us on Twitter. I live among you, well disguised.